Uh, so Matthew 28, verse 18, verse 20 through 20, and uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, the most important scripture in all of the Bible in that how it relates to what we do next. Jesus is Lord, now what? Then Jesus came and said to his disciples, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. I'm going to stop there. I want to make sure you understand that the call of God was not to make Christians. It's not to get people to say a prayer. It's to get them to have their lives transformed by the power of Jesus, that we all that believe in Jesus would become like him, that we would be disciples. Does that make sense? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all, everything that I commanded to you. I was raised Catholic, so I always have to, whenever I say these things, it's like ingrained into me. I don't know. I, I can't, I, I don't know. All right, here we go. I'm sorry. Uh, and so teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very age, end of the age. Uh, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. This is our, our fifth and our last week that we are talking about purpose-driven life. Uh, some of you guys have been reading with us. Some of you read one time with us, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to continue reading with us this week uh, as we'll post the, the, the scriptures online and uh, on, on the app, and we will try to encourage you guys to follow along and read the day. Purpose-driven life, 40 days of purpose, fantastic. What is the purpose that God has for our lives? We said it's to worship. We said it's to find uh, family and community. We said that it is to, uh, to serve. Uh, we said it's to know discipleship and to become more like him. And last, it, it is evangelism. And this is a tricky one for Christians. Evangelism. How, uh, how many people in this room would say, I'm a Christian? Raise your hand. Raise it high. I'm a Christian. Come on. Great. How many people have shared your faith this week? Raise your hand. Uh, I have found in the body of Christ today that very few people have found this uh, an ability. This is not to make you feel discouraged. This is not an infomercial at two in the morning where someone's exercising and you feel terrible because you're eating Oreos as they're on the TV. Uh, this is, uh, what I am trying to say is today that you can find purpose and identity in knowing that you are salt and light in the earth. Does that make sense? Let me go on. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, our Lord and Savior said this, you, everyone say I, are the salt of the earth. And if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Let me stop there. If you lose your purpose, you have no value, you'll have no mission. If you lose your vision and what you're here to do, I think inside every person there's this desire to be good, to do great things. What is your purpose? I think it is to infect and affect and reach and help other human beings. It is to love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others. 
And in the world that we live in, as fast as we're moving and as fast as things are happening, it is getting increasingly more difficult to be patient and learn how to actually purposely and intentionally love another person. Other people get in your way. They, they slow you down. There's too many things happening, and it seems like the only people that we want in our life are the people that we have chose to be there, and everyone else is in the way. And this is a problem. It's an American problem. It's a life problem. It's a human being problem because we are called to make a difference. And the only way that you will ever make a difference is if you're willing to be interrupted from what you have on your agenda. Love will always inconvenience you. If you have learned love under any other circumstance, you didn't learn love. Love is something that is going to cause you to sacrifice. I, I have, I've sat with people in marital counseling and they've talked about, I lost heart. I don't want to be married anymore. That is not love. The only person that you love when that comes out of your mouth is yourself. Because the commitment that you make is not for you. The commitment that I made when I held your hand was, um, her hand was, was that I will love you. Not if you love me, but I will love you till death do us part, for richer, for poor, for sickness and in hell, for whatever it takes, I'm going to love you. And it causes sacrifice. We said it a couple weeks ago, that love, you can't learn in isolation. And life is moving so fast that it's hard. And so what purpose does an individual have if it loses its ability to love other people? The motivation of human beings today is to go make money and sit on the couch. We wouldn't actually say that, but that sums up all of our desire. And anyone that gets in the way of making money and tuning in and tuning out is inconveniencing us. And we've lost purpose We've lost everything that we signed up for. If you would run into yourself as a 12-year-old, you would kick yourself in the face. I mean, man, when we were a kid, we dreamed about doing great things. Somewhere we checked out. What good are you if you lose your saltiness? Worthless. I didn't mean to say all those things. I just got excited. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world, he would say. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and they give light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What he's saying is that light is not intended to be hidden. And whenever when there's moments of intimacy, we'll turn the lights down. But man, when we want to talk about things that's relevant, let's, let's get all the lights. Let's expose everything. Let's let everyone see what's really going on in this room right now. Does that make sense? All right. I don't know. Okay. So here we go. Jesus is the light. And he says something crazy. He says, you're the light. Many people today want to dodge the bullet of responsibility that we would be like Jesus. Oh, I'm not like Jesus. He is really good. You're kind of called to be like Jesus. He's the light of the world, right? I am the light of the world, Jesus said. And then he says, hey, you're the light of the world. Dave, you're it. You are the hope of mankind. 
David's going, man, I am. <laughs> man, guy is doomed right now. <laughs> Listen, it, we, we rely on you. I don't know if you realize this. But we have been handed something, and it's really important that you take that with focus and with intention. Let me explain. If I was running in a race, like in a, um, uh, one of those things where there's multiple runners, and they, the baton has been passed to you. It's like you will wait and you will wait and you will wait, and now it's in your hands, and everyone around is, is, is like, come on, you have to run, you have to run fast. And many of us are discouraged or feel intimidated, and we're like, I can't run. I'm just going to go to church and listen to Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim's a good Christian. He, like, he really loves Jesus. He, he's, good, he's doing a good enough job for all of us, and uh, that's wrong. There are other old school religion concepts where we'll just pay the pastor to preach the gospel. We ain't got to do it. No. Well, I mean, y'all don't pay me enough to do that. Well, you know right now. Right? Uh, uh, I have two jobs because of y'all don't pay enough. So we got to step that thing up if that's the case. Listen, the idea of Christianity is not that we would go to church, but that we would. Oh, someone said it. I didn't even prep you guys for that one. That we would be, be the church. That means you and you. And you, and you, and you, you got a job to do when you leave. The baton is being handed to you. And let me stop there and say this. Ah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. So I got this chain. And what I wanted to do is I, I thought of, um, I wanted to get a link for every generation that would have been represented from the time that Jesus came till now. Because it's important that you understand that the things that you believe you didn't create out of nothing. We have been handed the gospel. That gospel was handed to us with blood. People sacrificed and fought and prayed and gave and sacrificed and fought and prayed for us to know that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus can heal. That Jesus can make a difference in our marriage. That Jesus can make a difference in my children. That Jesus can make a difference in my body. That Jesus can make a difference in our schools. That Je right? People fought for us to have this understanding. Sometimes Christians want to take their feelings and create a theology. It's, you're not allowed. Too many people died for you to feel that God wants me to do... Listen, we, 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 we understand the gospel because it was handed to us. By other people, oh man, all right, all right, here we go. So, I am a link in the gospel, and I will not let this chain be broken. There is a generation that's coming after me that is going to rely on me to live the life, and I will not allow the chain to be broken. Does that make sense? It means that you're responsible, like we need you to live the life. Why? Because people aren't going to go to church. You're the only church some people will ever see. You're their pastor. I didn't sign up to be a pastor. I don't care. You signed up to know Jesus. He gave you his Holy Spirit. You are their shepherd. Have integrity. Live with character. I am so not even into the sermon. I've got to get going here. You are a link in this chain and we will not be broken. I wanted to think about the difference in the link today 2017, then the link that happened 2033, just regular 33, not 2000, 33, 2017, 
big difference in the way that people live. The same gospel. We're going to talk about that here for a second. This is going to be a political movement. I'm going to, uh, a political moment, not movement. Moment. I'm talking about political moment. We're talking to you about right now about what the world that we live in. I don't know if you have discerning eyes or ears, but a lot of things have happened. This is the pre-sermon. I haven't gotten into it yet. I apologize. A lot of things have happened in the last eight years in the USA. Um, and so um, things have changed to the point where the things that you believe, you're not allowed to say anymore. And you may be thinking that I'm exaggerating, but it's going to get worse. Mark my words. Not because I'm saying it, but because the gospel has said it again and again and again. Ask anyone that reads anything about the end days. There is going to be more and more, um, Howard, help me. What's the word? When people, persecution. Thank you. And uh, uh, Howard, help me. <laughs> Howard's like, yeah, Tim, I know what he's going to. Uh, all right, uh, let me drink coffee. Now, if you, have a, if you feel that something is wrong, you're not allowed to say it unless it's politically correct. Years ago, you were allowed to believe whatever it is you wanted to believe to the point where if you had uh, a feeling about the way that uh, sex was to take place, you, you were allowed to say those things. Now, you can't. You can't even say who is supposed to be married or what is good or bad. I, I have multiple coworkers. Let me make sure that you understand this because it's important that no one leaves here just listening to what I'm saying and then takes on a, a theology. We may believe that homosexuality is wrong. It does not mean that we dislike the human beings that may fall into the category of homosexuality. Let me make sure you... Why am I saying that? Because a sin is a sin is a sin. I happen to have multiple times where I sin. It's called gluttony. I do it just about every Sunday after church. No one persecutes me for it. I have an opinion that gluttony is wrong. And oftentimes I feel bad. Sometimes I don't. This is the same thing with sexual uh, concepts. If I, if I believe that it is wrong, I, I can say it's wrong for a 12-year-old to have sex today. And currently, that's okay. Because I, I, I believe that it's wrong for a 12-year-old to have sex because they're not married. Because they're 12. Now, if I was to say that I think it's wrong for a 23-year-old to have sex because they're not married, now you're stepping over the line. And now if I was to say that I was to say that I think it's wrong that a man and man or a woman and a woman get married or have sex, that's wrong. We're stepping over a line. No, it's not wrong. I'm allowed to have an opinion. But now it, the things have turned in a way that that kind of statement is hate crimes. It's not a hate crime. It's not a hate crime to believe in something. If I want to believe that I am gifted in basketball and I am going to make the NBA, that shouldn't be a hate crime. It's my belief. Many of you, Brady would say, no, Tim, that should probably be a hate crime. Uh, uh, you, you are not gifted in that thing. That, the reality needs to get popped. Well, that's fine. That's what I believe. And if uh, someone wants to be Muslim and they want to be Muslim, that's fine. They can, they can be Muslim. 
It's not a hate crime to think that they're not going to go to heaven. It just means I don't think that they're going to go to heaven. I'm going to come back to that. We are stepping into a day and age in the United States where things are changing. In the way that you can voice your opinion. What do you mean? Think about yourself right now. Many of us in this room have a hard time telling someone else that you believe in Jesus. But he's your favorite person on earth. You love him more than you love your wife. You love him more than you love yourself. You sacrifice for him. You love him. But why? It's coming away that I can tell people about my favorite football team. I can tell people about my favorite food, my favorite song, my favorite movie, but not my favorite Jesus. Why? Because it matters. It's the only thing that actually matters. Today we're talking about you knowing your purpose. We have to reestablish our voice. We have to. Because I am a link in the chain, and I cannot be broken. There is a generation that is going to come after me that will need to know the gospel. Truth is still truth, and people may not like hearing the truth that you have, but it is so imperative that they hear it. For the sake of time, I'm going to skim over this next part. But I think it's important that you understand there's a difference in the way that we live and the way the disciples of Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to talk about this right now. Remember, two weeks ago we talked about what does discipleship, and it was about taking a teacher and becoming just like him, right? You guys remember that? Taking a teacher, becoming just like this guy, listening to his teachings. And then when Jesus said, look, it's better for you guys that I go away, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. What Jesus was able to do is he can't just teach 12 people But if he gives his Holy Spirit, he can teach thousands, millions, eight billion people on earth right now. He can teach us all at the same time. That's why the second goal of our church is crucial. If you're not following the Spirit, who are you following but you? That's what's wrong with this world. Okay. The world that we live in, in this political correctness, correct. I don't know how to say it, political correctedness. Sure. Tim, have a sip of your coffee. Let me just talk to you about 12 people really quick that you may know. When Jesus died and um, the disciples that followed him, they loved him, right? So there's one dude, and these guys have left their homes. They've left their careers, and they, they're like, man, I've seen him heal, open blind eyes. I've seen him raise the dead. I've seen him feed thousands of people. Everything that is in Jesus is everything that this world needs, and I want to be just like him. I want to follow him. I want to be his friend. Sounds a lot like some of your hearts in this room right now. Well, These 12 people, they watched their best friend get crucified, and it changed everything. It freaked them out. When they watched the only person that's ever been raised, raised himself from the dead, man, to see the holes in his hands, 
the holes in his side, the, the fact that they, you are real. Like you are the answer. Generations and generations and generations of people have been looking for someone that could do what you're doing and you alone are the Lamb of God. That is the only one that can take away sin. You are the hope of all nations. Jesus, you're the one. And he came into them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. He's giving us purpose. And some of you may take that and some of you won't, but I can tell you that I can tell you that I can tell you. Not because I'm a pastor, but because the same spirit that's in you is in me that I know that if there is one thing that every human being is called to do in this room, it's share the love of Jesus. And every person in this room, make no stake about it, will do it differently. I don't need you to do it like me. I don't need you to be as opinionated as me. I don't need you to be as good with your words as me. If you bake apple pie, then bake apple pie and give it to someone that needs Jesus. I don't know your methods, but God is calling every one of us to reach the lost for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the apostles started going crazy. They started praying. The Holy Spirit came down, and they started reaching the lost. 3,000 people came to know the Lord in one day. I'm telling you that something is happening on earth that's never happened before. How do I know it? Because in 13 days from today, I'm going to be in Nicaragua gathering with thousands of people as we cry and worship God, and we see a whole country in one moment cry out to God. It's never happened. Man, where nations would turn to God in a moment. Something is happening on earth right now and we need to be aware that God is moving, man. So Peter, um, what I know is that the way that I live my life, I want it to look like the same people that started carrying the gospel. Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 12, says that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Does anyone know what that, what that means? It, means? it means that all of heaven, that Peter and Moses and Elijah, they're all looking down at heaven, watching the way that you live, Greg. They're looking down, Scotty, at everything that you do, and they're like, come on, live the life. You don't have time to be watching junk or talking about nonsense. We have to do work. There are people that have to get reached. I lived the life. I fought the fight. I'm passing the torch onto you. You're a link in this chain and it can't be broken. But the gospel looks so different today than it did 2,000 years ago. But it's the same gospel. How do I know? Let me tell you about it. Peter was crucified for Jesus. He was telling people about the Lord in such a way that they got so angry at him. He wasn't saying hate crimes. He was saying that Jesus is the answer. He's the one we're looking for. They got so angry at him that they arrested him. They took him and they crucified And he begged them, begged them, begged them. If you're going to crucify me, that's fine. I'll lay my life down. But just don't crucify me in the same way you did Jesus. He said, I don't deserve the honor of dying like Jesus. So they hung the cross upside down. It's the same gospel, man. I don't want to offend anyone. First guy that would have been martyred of all the apostles that, that we know about before, uh, 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 the, the, not, not 
Stephen would have been the first martyr that we know of, but the first apostle that was martyred, we believe was this guy on here. Uh, there he is. Uh, uh, James, the son of thunder. Uh, he was uh, uh, martyred in Acts chapter 12 before Paul was commissioned. It's believed that the apostle Paul took over the authority of James as one of the 12 apostles. Acts chapter 12, Paul was commissioned later in that chapter. He was saved prior, studied prior, was not commissioned till after. They stuck him with swords until he died and cut off his head. Andrew, they stoned him and then beat him with clubs until they took the oxygen out of him. You're like, well, that's a little dramatic, don't you think? I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I just want you to know that the things that you believe were handed to you by someone else that lived a life far more radical and intentional than the way that we live. And it's calling us to be intentional. You have purpose. And the purpose is to live the life so that someone else, more important than you, would know the love of God. You are not the centerpiece of your life. Although the enemy has deceived us to believe that you work for you. You don't work for you. You work for Jesus. Your finances are for Jesus. Your life is for Jesus. Your feelings are for Jesus. Your pain and sorrow, they're all His. I'm a chain and a link that can't be broken. Philip would have been crucified. Matthew was stabbed to death. Bartholomew, he was skinned alive. Andrew was Stakes were run through his body, driven him into the ground, and then his head was cut off. Simon the Zealot, he was killed after he refused to worship the sun god. Andrew was burned to death. For the sake of time, I'm going to stop. John, St. John was exiled after they boiled a pot of oil and they stuck an old man in it. And they wouldn't kill him. You think, that's crazy. I don't believe that. Do you believe in Rackshack and Benny? Yeah? Rackshack, Meshach, and Abednego? They stuck him in a fiery first and he's walking around with Jesus? I mean, you either believe these stories, either, either we believe this or you believe none of it. And if you believe none of it, then who will you cry when your children are sick? Who will you go to to save your soul? Who will you reach out to when, you, when your husband is sick and dying in their bed? Who will you reach out to? We know the name. It's written in our soul. His name is Jesus. And he gave his life for us. Golly, I know that I'm excited. I'm sorry. I just think of purpose, and I think of how much we are missing it. So we go to work and we clock in and we clock out and there are people that God has intentionally placed in your life. I know you hate your job. God loves your job. He's put you there on purpose. The people that annoy you most, I promise, everything in my soul, the people that annoy you the most are the people that God has put in your life to reach. It's just the enemy that's annoying you. This is good preaching right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not. Uh, all right, cool. Here we go. Keep going. 
I can't be this weird when I'm in Nicaragua because there's an interpreter and everyone like loses the translation. Like, who is this guy? What, what is he? Where is he? What, 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 did he hit his head or something? Four things that you need to know. God is love. God is love. God is love. First John says, God is love. Why am I telling you four things you need to know? Because I want you to reach the lost. And before you go, I think there's four things that you got to remember in your heart. That God is love. He loves people. I think sometimes uh, we make two mistakes. Some of us believe that God only loves me and we forget about everyone else. Or we believe that God loves everyone else and he hates me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. I, I, honest to God, I don't know if you can get the concept of what it means to love a child of innocence, of perfection, of absolute beauty, but I love my son more than anyone on this earth. I try to love my wife more. My son means so much to me. I would do anything for him. And to know that God was willing to give his son the only one that was worthy of life for me. God is love. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. God loves you. He loves you. Would you close your eyes with me for just one second? I have three more points, but he loves you. God loves you. You, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. God loves you, he enjoys you, he likes you, he's about you. He wants to be more in your life. He wants to flow through you. I'm asking everyone in this room right now to think of one person that if they died today, you would be concerned that they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He loves them. Point number one, thank you guys. God is love. Point number two, he is alive and he can still heal anything that you throw at him. Jesus is alive. I, um, I, I, was, uh, I was raised, um, I was not a Christian when I, when I, uh, when I was raised. Um, I was an atheist most of my life. I tried Buddhism, I tried Catholicism, I tried um, Reiki, I tried a lot of New Age stuff. And, and uh, when I came to the first church service that the Holy Spirit was in, it freaked me out. Maybe because I was on drugs at the time. I don't know. But I remember going, I am going to be there next Sunday if I'm still alive. He is real. He is a real person. God is not dead. Muslims Talk to a God that doesn't talk back to them. You need to understand that there's a difference. What we're talking to people is we want them to connect with someone that's trying to connect with them. I could tell you multiple stories of doing evangelism when I met with someone and said, how can I prove that God is real? Well, I'd love to serve God, but I sell drugs and my, my, my roommate does drugs and at three o'clock in the morning. My roommates sell drugs and we all sell drugs and if I go home, I can't quit drugs because they're going to have drugs and we're selling. How, what am I going to do? Well, what can I do to prove that God's real? I don't know. What if I got home and there was no drugs in the house? 
I know there's drugs in the house. Dude went home. We prayed together that night, and dude went home. His name was Jason. I'll never forget. He had the weirdest haircut. It was back when Genco jeans were cool. <laughs> Weird dude. Anyways, um, he went home, and the next morning we were serving pancakes on the streets of Daytona Beach. Free pancakes, anyone who wants them. Jason was there at 7.30 in the morning crying. <laughs> never forget it. Someone said, there's a guy over there that wanted to talk to you. What's up, man? Had the worst night of my life. I got home. There's cops all around my house. There's no drugs there anymore. What do I do? You say this prayer. He's alive. And he can heal anything you throw at him. God is capable of redeeming, healing, and restoring. And if he's not, then he's dead. But he's not dead, man. I'm so sorry. That was, whew, I get excited sometimes, man. I just, yeah, thank you. That's cool. Perfect. That's good. That's my fault. All right, here we go. I get excited. First time visitors, won't do it next time. Do it every week. <laughs> All right. Uh, there, the point number three, he can heal anything that you throw at him. Point number three is this. Time is running out. Rachel, can you come back and play, please? Anything? It's going to be great. Point number three. There is an eternity, eternity waiting for everyone. I, uh, I live amongst the people right now that are convinced that, that heaven and hell aren't real. A lot of people believe in heaven. You know why? Because they're hopeful. Because they want someone to tell them the good news that their grandfather or their brother is in a better place. But we don't make heaven up. And if we do, we don't make up the rules to get there. Like people just come up with ideas. It just came out of nowhere. No, there was a, he told us all about it when he walked on the earth. How to get there, what to do. The scripture says that it is appointed to every man to die. And after that, that he will face judgment. Every human being, you and I one day laying on a stretcher somewhere or who knows what, we're going to take our last breath. And we're going to wake up standing before the king. And he's going to divide us. Did you live your life for the life that was given for you? My son gave his life for you. Did you give your life for him? It's pretty clear. Heaven is real. So is hell. There is a lot of people today. It is becoming popular to believe everyone gets in. Look. I, honest to God, I'm a pastor who wants to believe that. Be the life that I live for Jesus every day costs me because I know my brother and where he is at. I know my sister and where she is at. I know every one of my coworkers that I love with all of my heart that I would give any dollar in my bank account for, which isn't very much, but I would give it all for them. Because if hell is real, it is the worst thing imaginable. And it's not like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. It's forever. There is only one thing that matters on earth. That moment. Because it's going to cost an eternity. Fourth thing, listen, and, and it's important that we understand this, that I'm not just being emotional and saying this. 
I didn't write this. It was transcribed by someone else who was burnt at a stake for it, who was shot in the head for it. People that wrote the Bible. We were in Bulgaria 15 years ago, me and Anthony, sitting in a room where people are talking about the story. That five years before we were sitting there, the what you call union was, was up. What was it called? I don't know. But they didn't like Christians, right? Yeah. And they talked about how they raided the very room we were in and arrested all the Christians that were there during the printing press. What? Can you imagine if someone came and, I mean, I know this is America, it's never going to happen, right? If things continue to get bad, I mean, think about it. There is nothing conservative that is said in the news anymore. It is all, man, not all. Last thing you need to know is that Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. I'm going to read one scripture to you and we're going to close. Surely he has bore our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. This was written 1,500 years before Jesus was crucified. Someone wrote a letter about what Jesus was going to do when he walked on earth. He carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes 